0: This is the Unstoppable Authors podcast with world-building warrior Angeline Trevina and planning and productivity powerhouse Holly Line. Every week we bring you discussions on the craft of writing, author life and business, and interviews with some of the industry's most unstoppable authors. A
1: writer's life doesn't have to be solitary. We're here to bust that myth, support you on your journey, and encourage you to be unstoppable.
0: to episode 93 of the Unstoppable Authors podcast. Today we're going to talk about why you want to find books that are similar to yours and how to go about finding them. Before we get into the main topic here are our personal updates. So
1: I took a few days off from writing over the bank holiday weekend uh, as I basically didn't take any days off in April um, so I needed that rest and now I'm getting back into my whip. Um I'm still being really careful with myself, though, because I am recovering from burnout and I don't want to overdo it. So um, I set some quite ambitious goals for May, but I'm just easing gently into heading for them. So... Yeah, um, one of the things I'm doing this month is I'm taking Becca Syme's class, Write Better Faster, which so far has been absolutely fantastic. It's not like a lot of courses out there that are based on the Learn at Your Own Pace model. This one is more directed. There is some one to one coaching involved and the content is drip released. So um, for those who don't know, Becca Syme uses the Gallup Clifton Strengths model for coaching writers, and I've been getting really into <laughs> The strengths stuff um for those of you who follow me on Instagram will have seen some stuff um but one of my top strengths is input and I also have really high learner and on day one of the course there was just this short introduction model uh, module and when I finished it I was like give me the rest I need I need more I need to devour all of this right now um so yeah uh, it's still early days but so far it's all resonating really well and I feel really excited about it
0: Awesome so my personal update is okay basically the same as last time yet again so I'm just plowing on with the first draft of my next book Steadyard and everything is just totally focused on that right now even though my mind is whirling with all my future ideas but you know it's always doing that so I'm quite practiced at ignoring it all. Stogeyard releases at the end of August, the pre-order is already live on Amazon, Gulp, and then I'm going to take a much-needed break and write some stuff without a deadline. And honestly, I just cannot wait. I gave myself such a gruelling writing and publishing schedule this year, so I am really looking forward to slowing things down a bit come September. Hopefully. That's the plan, at least. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs)
1: yeah um it's going to be an interesting year for both of us i think so yeah (laughs) so our question of the week last week i asked you how do you keep track of the details in your books or series now we had absolutely loads of responses to this so um In our Facebook group, uh, Nathan said, after failing to try and remember it all, I use World Anvil to keep mine tracked. And if you want to hear more from Nathan, check out Angeline's last solo episode from a couple of weeks ago. Um, Edwin said, I keep a spreadsheet with columns for name, basic description, affiliation, and each book with a mark telling me if they didn't appear, only mentioned or made an appearance. I have been contemplating a second description column for extra details. At one point I looked into creating a personal wiki but the amount of work it took to even create a basic framework took way too much time to continue. Um, Edwin's totally speaking my language like (laughs) um, I have I have had personal wikis in the past or more accurately my other half has created them and I've contributed to them Um, and that yeah I would love to have a wiki of my world that would just be So amazing. And what a great thing to share with fans as well who want to Mm -hmm. dive in deeper. Um, Amy said, I have a folder labelled with my pen name. Then in that folder, I have separate folders for each series. In the series folder, I have a folder labelled detailed plans, which includes story plan and separate folders for each character. I also have a folder for each novel and all its files. That's a lot of folders. It's very (laughs) organised. and coming from me that's saying something Um, Val says uh, I'm just starting my editor makes a style sheet which includes characters lists so that's helpful I write in Scrivener and usually keep the last document in the subsection of my current document so I can just search or look directly The only problem with this is that the document in my Scrivener is pre-edits, so some stuff will have changed. And I have this issue too, which is why I don't put all my planning in Scrivener, because once I'm done drafting, I edit in OpenOffice. So anything that's still sat in Scrivener is going to get out of date pretty quickly. So, yeah. Um, Brett uses Scrivener and all the templates for characters, locations, etc. And adds links. Yeah, this. I mean, Scrivener has so many features that, and you can do all of this in Scrivener if you, if you use all the features. It's flipping awesome. Um, mm-hmm. You answered this one, Angeline. Notebooks upon notebooks upon notebooks. Um, oh yes. <laughs> yeah. We're all about the notebooks over here. Steve Turnbull keeps it all in his Absolutely. head, and and he's written over twenty books. And I like, I can't even. I just can't even. <laughs> what um, yeah so uh, kudos to you Steve that is flipping awesome um, and on Instagram uh, let's see we had Gareth Matthews says a nice big whiteboard full of scribbles and I love that I can just picture it great big big picture planning which is awesome um Rowan says I'm using both novel factory I love its character and location building tabs and it really helps me with structure and an old-fashioned notebook um, I haven't heard of Novel Factory before. Have you? Nope. That's no. new. I'm going to have to Google that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Tina has another vote for notebooks. Uh, oh, more folders and notebooks and binders and just all the things. So thank you everyone for <laughs> responding. Uh, I love hearing about how people organise their their stuff because, because I'm me and that's how my brain works. So, yeah, um, thank you everyone for sharing.
0: Yeah, I I just like to hear about other people's stationery. (laughs) (laughs) Just talk to me about stationery all day. (laughs) (laughs) So this week, what we want to know is what cover design aspects do you like from your genre? Mm -hmm.
1: So we have uh, no new patrons this week, but a huge thank you to all of our current patrons. Your support means the world to us. Patrons get early access to episodes, exclusive behind-the-scenes access to our off-air banter and they get to join us live on our live streams, the next of which is on Thursday the 13th of May at 8pm. So you can jump on the call with us, ask us questions, chat with us and crucially get some words done. So if you'd like to join us you can do so for £3 a month at patreon.com forward slash unstoppable authors.
0: And it would be really great if you could take a moment to share this episode on social media, grab a screenshot, share it directly from your podcast platform, or even take a selfie with it. Just remember to tag us so that we can share it too. It means so much to hear from our listeners and to know that you enjoy the show. So let's move on to our main topic for today. And today we are talking about finding comp titles for your book. Now, before we start, let's just tackle some misconceptions about the idea of writing to market. Now, I totally understand that there are a lot of writers out there for whom this idea leaves a bit of a bad taste in their mouth. And that's because they tend to see writing to market as being mutually exclusive from writing what you love or being true to your art, that they these two things are actually complete opposites. And this idea of being true to your art is put up on this lofty pedestal and woe betide anyone who sullies it with dirty things such as marketing or, God forbid, making money. <laughs> so let's bust that myth right now before we go any further. You can both write to market and you can be true to your art. I'll say it now. You absolutely should write something that you love and something that you're passionate about. But that isn't somehow ruined or negated by being aware of the market for your book and keeping that in mind as you write and it's good to remember that writing to market is a sliding scale it's a spectrum so you might write a book that is 100% written to market or you might just include some of those elements or maybe even just one or two of them so it's not an all or nothing situation. That's right and
1: and I think a lot of us start out with um, this this story idea that, you know, we just have to write and we don't do any research. We just, just write the story. And that is absolutely the best way to start. Um, mm-hmm. I think the writing to market thing comes in more when you decide this is a business and you want to make money because those kind of niche cross-genre books that you and I have both written um (laughs) let's be honest right (laughs) very hard to make money with um so you know there is perhaps sometimes an element of compromise but it it totally depends on your priorities and what you get out of it and and what you want to focus on so Mm -hmm, um we're not telling you what you have to do um This is just some information to help you make a decision. And um, if you decide you want to look at the market, here are some tips of how to do that and how to utilize what you find out. So um, first up, let's go through the what and the why of comp titles. So comp is complementary or comparison title. It's another book or an author that's similar to you or yours. So why? why? Why would you bother doing this? Um, there are lots of things you can gain from finding comp titles. So um, first of all, we've, we've mentioned writing to market, and that is the, at the core of this. It is about getting your marketing right. Mm-hmm. So you need to check that your book is placed in the right genre. You need to check that the cover looks like or if you haven't got your cover yet you need to be able to provide your cover designer with some examples of other similar books to say this is what my book needs to look like and I know you and I are both quite attracted to very different very striking covers (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) we we make no secret of saying we are not typical readers and the vast majority of consumers want uh, when they are browsing for books they are looking for something familiar they're looking for something they know they're going to like because they've read books like it before and really enjoyed them and your cover is the very first clue for that so your cover must contain you know the right signals for the genre Um, so for example because i've just been looking at this recently um, in the sort of romantic suspense like you know dark vampire type romance books There are certain tropes on the covers you know usually there is like sort of red misting around it and the fonts are usually quite um you know curly they have a lot of embellishments on them and there is almost always either a topless man or a man in a suit um you know so these are the things you see that cover you know what the book is going to be like okay um you need to check that your blurb matches the genre so um, have a look other blurbs written in first person or third person or maybe second person that would be unusual but maybe that's a thing in your genre <laughs> <Maybe>. um, <laughs> what kind of hooks do people use you know look at the break down the blurbs and see what other successful authors are doing should maybe just clarify that you're looking at the top 20 or top 50 books uh, because these are the books that
0: are selling well Indeed. Um, <laughs> yes. yeah don't don't come and copy us <laughs> Oh, speak for yourself
1: <laughs> um but yeah um you will also probably want to make a list of these titles that um, you think are a good match because you can use them in your advertising as keywords Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and another really great thing about doing this is finding similar authors with whom you can network and collaborate and swap newsletters and you know stalk on social media and um, that's
0: an important one <laughs> it's a very important one
1: and I mean there are people whose newsletters I've signed up to to see what yep. they're doing like how yep. are they doing that and I'm not going to name names, but there's one of my, like, comp authors who <clears throat> whose newsletter I'm on. And, I mean, she has a particular um, – I've never seen a newsletter like it. It's, it, it's absolutely packed full of um, other books. You know, she recommends or links to dozens and dozens and dozens of books in her emails, which I find really interesting. That is not what I do, but it's interesting to see – how she Mm. does differently and she's a huge bestseller she's doing something very very right so (laughs) yeah um and then the final thing is attraction marketing so if you talk about on social media the books that are like your books you are not just talking about your own book which can come across as very like oh look at me look at me buy my book buy my book buy my book (laughs) um and you should talk about your books, just to be clear, but not all the time. Definitely. Um, <laughs> follow, like, the 80-20 rule, yeah? 80% talking about other books, 20% talking about your own books. Um, and you will attract followers who also like those books. And so then in the 20% of the time that you are talking about your books, surprise, surprise, they are likely to
0: like them. <laughs> so, yeah. very sorry but here we are giving you lots of research to do I always I always bang on about what I write fantasy because I hate doing research (laughs) (laughs) and now here we are going you must do all this research but yeah you know it is it is really important stuff and I learned the hard way about having covers that match your genre (laughs) and uh, I mean the the other thing that I do that I think personally, I think it's really awesome, is that each of my book covers kind of match each other. I I have a very specific style that I go for across all of my book covers. Mm -hmm. So although they're slightly different genres, and they all match their genre, they also look similar enough that if you see them, you would go, oh, yeah, that's, that's typical for her. So readers who are already reading one of my books and hopefully enjoying it they will see my other books and go oh well i'm gonna like that as well yeah because the covers match each other as well as matching their genre Mm -hmm. which i think is kind of clever yeah (laughs) i I do think (laughs) i
1: do think it's a bare minimum your name should always be in the same font you know, you you are creating a brand for your author name. So even if you write across different genres, having the same font for your name, quite something quite simple that will translate across multiple genres, I think is absolutely key.
0: So the other reason to go and look at your comp titles is to get your content right. Because obviously, if your cover and your blurb and all your marketing and everything matches your genre really nicely, when you're readers are sucked in by that and go yes that's the genre I like they want to actually read that genre <laughs> you <They laughs> know they don't want to pick up a book that looks like urban fantasy and then suddenly they're reading I, I don't know contemporary romance with no paranormal elements in it at all mm. that's not going to be good because you are going to get one star reviews which is not nice so Comp titles, it's also about getting the content inside your book right and matching your genre. And there is actually a heck of a lot of things that can be quite genre specific that maybe you might not have realised before. Like your main character, one of those. Um, You know, like contemporary fantasy, at the moment, it's really big on like young kick ass women. Protagonists. you know if you're writing a crime thriller you may well have like a divorced alcoholic detective you know these are tropes these are genre tropes and these are the kind of characters we see over and over again so you can take elements of that and make sure that your main character is the kind of character that readers of that genre enjoy reading setting and time period Of course as well you know take urban fantasy you know if you set it in like medieval Europe then that's that's more epic fantasy that's what epic fantasy readers expect urban fantasy readers are not going to be expecting that plot so the plot itself like things like the inciting incident and the tropes that you put in and remember tropes are not the same as cliches Although tropes can become cliches, but they are they they're things that readers love of a genre. They love them, and we all have tropes that we love. Yes, we all have tropes that we hate as well. But for every trope that we hate, someone else loves that trope. So <laughs> tropes are good. <laughs> source of conflict you know like if you're writing dystopia your source of conflict is generally going to be an oppressive government regime okay it's a trope it's what's expected themes of your book as well can be on point to your genre the length of your book this this can be quite an important one you know Mm. epic fantasy readers expect like over a hundred thousand words you know they're they're quite comfortable reading a two hundred thousand word book but you know like people who read maybe like cozy mystery are much more used to a much shorter book (laughs) Mm -hmm. they'll probably find it a bit cumbersome if it's a massive great big book so length can be really important point of view as well is, you, is it common in your genre to be written in first person or is third person? Is it um, a close third person or omniscient? Just go and have a read around and find out. The ending of your book, of course, the the big one is always any romance genre. They, you know, it's really, really important that you have a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Otherwise is it's not romance and it will the readers will not consider it to be romance Mm -hmm. um even if you market it as such and the tone of your book as well is really important to get right and that's something that also should sort of bleed through into your blurb as well Mm. get that tone right um and this isn't just for fiction books the this sort of research also works for non-fiction books so non-fiction you'd be looking at like the problem that you're solving go and have a look at other books that solve similar or the same problems think about the format of your nonfiction. so are our comp titles like um are they done as bullet points like 10 ways to do this or are they more heavy going um you know, just go and have a look at what other people are doing. And another thing to look at with non-fiction is level of expertise. So, if it's like a dietary book, um, so quite often your qualifications are really important, and people will put those sort of things on their cover or in the blurb. Other non-fiction books, it it, it may not be so important to have specific qualifications but like your your own personal experience might be more important so even in nonfiction, you can go and find those comp titles and match what they're doing
1: yeah absolutely so how do you go about finding comp titles well the best way is to simply read in your genre um and I mean I would I would hope that if you're writing a book it's you're doing so because you already love that genre and that yep. style um so keep reading other similar books and um, stay current as well because trends do change over time um so i mean obviously this is really time consuming and especially uh, you know if you're like us and you have full busy lives you, you quite possibly aren't the sort of person who reads a book a day. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it takes me about six weeks to read a novel. Um, yeah, I'm about the same, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, a lot
0: of time. <laughs> yeah,
1: it is. Um, which is, I think, why I've become more I'm more prone to not finishing books. I always used to make a point of always finishing every book. But now I just, I I feel like life's too short. There are too many books mm-hmm. out there that I want to read. Why would I spend... And let's be honest more than six weeks with a book I don't like because I won't want to read it so I'll only read it like a little bit at a time um why would I waste my time like so anyway um not the point um <laughs> it can also be a bit expensive because buying lots of books adds up um although if you're in KU then obviously mm-hmm. that might not be so much of a factor um that's actually another thing about your market. You want to look as well, whether books in your yes. genre tend to be heavily Absolutely. in KU or, or wide. Um, but remember that any books you buy for research can be listed as a business expense for your taxes. Yay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yay, bonus. Um, so another way, aside from just reading widely in the genre is to just head to the retailers and just browse um, and, yeah. So I spend a lot of time doing this. Um, <laughs> and it can you can get a bit lost in it. So maybe set yourself time limits. Like I'm only going to yes. spend an hour doing this and then I will stop, set a timer, you know. Um, <laughs> so look at the um, look at the ratings and reviews on the popular books and you know, read the reviews for clues as to what people do and don't like because reviewers will tell you You um (laughs) find out you know if they say oh this was so action-packed it was like high octane brilliant then you know that read that you know readers like that in thrillers or whatever Mm -hmm. um I mean a lot of the time it's going to be obvious but just check it doesn't hurt to check um also read the blurbs um have a look at like we said before the the style and the tone of the blurb to see what what works and what, what people are using um but also you know to just double check for yourself that the comp title you know the potential comp title is yes you yep. know a good fit for your books because most genres have quite a wide range actually and especially like in the romance genres mm-hmm. the tropes are incredibly important in romance i would say like really outside the romance genre tropes are it's not that they're not important but i think people are a lot um read a lot more widely and don't necessarily
0: yes, totally agree yeah,
1: yeah readers can't necessarily articulate the tropes they like yeah. in other genres whereas in romance readers really know the tropes they're looking for and, they and there are
0: like things. serious niche tropes on their there yeah. like, like some of the tropes in romance i'm just like what really they're so specific yeah it's
1: things like yeah. age gap yeah. and um the virgin
0: main character yeah. and, and even like whether characters are divorced yeah or widowed
1: or have children and,
0: yeah. yeah like yeah. really specific much more than you see in other genres i yeah. think
1: definitely so if you're a romance author you need to really know the tropes and you know your comp titles need to basically have an exact match of your tropes Mm. um so if you write like billionaire um like playboy romance you don't want comp titles that are second chance yeah a the baby you know you you need to make sure that the exact right romance books yeah. for your book um you can also use the look inside feature on amazon um to have a little scan through and see what's going on inside have a look at the front matter what kind of things are people including and then obviously often you will you will get a fairly good um insight into the opening of the book as well um Watch and listen to author interviews, listen to like interviews on podcasts like ours and
0: absolutely,
1: uh, <laughs> and get insights into what other authors of your genre are doing and what works for them. Um, another good one is to watch on screen adaptations, but do remember that they are adapted for a totally different
0: audience. Yes, um,
1: but it can be a, a good starting point
0: yeah absolutely because you can then go on and read the book
1: yeah and a lot of the time because I don't pay attention to new releases at all I have no idea what books are coming out but if something's (laughs) popular on Netflix for instance that's adapted from a book that will be how I hear of the book and I think Mm, that's true for a lot of us these days
0: oh yeah definitely yeah Yeah. I do that a lot
1: yeah um and look at book marketing and social media posts um for for ideas for yourself um use it as inspiration and you know ways to f- connect your book with other books and the kind of aesthetic that people are attracted to um and this might help you with like f- using things like mood boards and character art and casting your characters you know using excerpts and things like that like it gives it gives you a whole range of that sort of content marketing that you can do around um, comp titles and that that is a good way to find comp titles is looking at other
0: people's like bookstagram and stuff like that (laughs) (laughs) yes that's why we like stalking other authors on social media exactly but only do it on social media please yes (laughs) don't
1: actually drive to where Stephen King lives and park outside his house because that would be creepy and
0: weird. Yes. Although apparently you won't get anywhere near. No. No. I would imagine not.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, that... I mean, that's our our whistle-stop tour of of comp titles. So um, let's just talk for a second, if we we may, about... um, pitfalls um like if you like us Angeline what do you do about comp titles for your difficult to niche um what there
0: there are no comp titles (laughs) (laughs) um no you when you're so when you're writing stupid genre mashups that are really difficult to market like my books Um, you've got to go more to the micro level when you're looking for comp titles so I'm not going to find other books that have the same um, plot items the same characters the same tone the same themes Um, I'm I'm not going to find books that have all of them because Mm -hmm. I write these crazy mashups but I am going to find books that have this particular theme and this similar character Mm. you know so you're you're going more down to a micro level and looking for books that have the main things and character is the best one to go for because obviously that's the reason people read your books I bang on about this all the time your character (laughs) is the most important aspect of your book because that's why people keep turning your pages so if you write crazy genre mashups like i do and find it really hard to find comp titles start with character always always go and find books that have similar characters and then see what other similarities you can find
1: yeah and if you can if you can find two um that are quite different that can be quite a good marketing technique to say it's like the matrix meets bridgerton I don't know it's just off the top of my head um you know if you if you really have something quite striking like that that could be a good way of mm-hmm. reeling readers in and making people go how does that work and
0: reading to find out so yeah for the record i really want to read the matrix meets bridgeton <laughs> that would be good <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: well you know what they say if there's a book you really want to read
0: that doesn't exist yet write it no (laughs) (laughs) no that would that would require far too much research (laughs) historical romance mixed with like serious cyber tech stuff that I know nothing about no thank you (laughs) Uh. no So, so I think that's pretty much wraps us up on comp titles Mm -hmm. and takes us on to a rather interesting, would you rather question? So, Holly, would you rather that everywhere you ever go, there's always someone else who is wearing the exact same outfit as you are? Or would you rather live in a town with someone who looks like your identical twin?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I had to find a, a would you rather question that fitted our theme and that that was hard, I tell you.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you've done quite well. It's about comparison, isn't it? So um, I think I'll I'll take the always someone wearing the same outfit because i'm not that precious about what i wear like i Mm. i don't think i have a particularly striking unique style or anything like that so um i wouldn't be too bothered if there was someone else wearing the same jeans and jumper as me you know that that
0: would Mm. be fine (laughs) (laughs) but i kind of feel because obviously like i'm a jeans and jumper kind of girl as well but every time you made an effort someone else would have would be an exact and i'd be like oh man i made such an effort i think i'd just give up making an effort i'd turn up to like weddings in like pajamas (laughs) (laughs) oh
1: i've I've just had an entertaining idea about my band rehearsals because i'm the only woman so um yeah that could be entertaining actually (laughs) (laughs) what shall i wear today that means one of the blokes in the band turns up wearing the exact
0: same thing (laughs) but i incidentally i've actually lived where i lived once before in a tiny little hamlet in the next village which was like walking distance it was really close there was apparently somebody who looked exactly like me um so much so that one time when i was in the tiny little doctor's surgery that they had there the other person's mom said to me you look exactly like my daughter i almost came and said hello to you the other day <laughs> So I've actually lived that. But honestly, I would choose that option living in a town with someone who looks just like me because for one thing, I can avoid them a lot. You know, (laughs) if it's a good sized town, you can avoid them. Mm. And also I could give myself such a unique style that everyone always knows it's me because of what I'm wearing. Mm. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really hate it when I turn up somewhere. And someone's wearing the same outfit as me. (laughs) really hate that. (laughs) So moving swiftly on, Uh, just a reminder of our question of the week. What cover design aspects do you like from your genre? And remember that if you want to hear all the backstage stuff
1: and get all of the other benefits, you can join us over at patreon.com forward slash unstoppable
0: authors. And don't forget to share the podcast online and tag us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Unstoppable Authors. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unstoppable Authors podcast. We'll be back next week with more of our tenacity and worldly wisdom. Don't forget to visit our website
1: to get the show notes and heaps of helpful blog articles at unstoppableauthors.com.
0: And join our Guild of Unstoppable Authors and you will not only hear from us every week, but you will also get a free digital copy of my book, 30 Days of Worldbuilding. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to subscribe
1: and leave a review.